In the Bible, one of the primary metaphors that's used for the relationship between leaders and the people that they lead is the relationship between a, sh a shepherd and his sheep. Now, we don't have to be experts when it comes to sheep. We don't have to be real-life shepherds ourselves to understand that when sheep lack a shepherd, then disaster is only right around the corner. Without a shepherd, a herd of sheep will scatter. The individual sheep will become lost. And as they are lost, they will likely die from injury, from starvation, or from attack. Now, on the other hand, sheep that have a good shepherd will usually thrive. They'll be kept together. They'll be guided from pasture to pasture where they can find plentiful food. And they will be protected from predators. And so the Lord chose this illustration in both the Old Covenant and the New Covenant eras to describe and to discuss leadership among his people. Now, if the metaphor itself wasn't enough, the Bible addresses shepherdless people multiple times in both the Old and the New Testament, and never in the Bible is that described as a positive or a good thing. Sheep without a shepherd are always pictured as bad, as a bad and dangerous situation. And if that's true, and if that's the case, then today we should be sobered by the thought of being sheep without a shepherd without any shepherds. We should take very seriously the warnings of Scripture. We should take very seriously the warnings that God has given again and again and seek to rectify that situation. On the other hand, if we are sheep guided by godly shepherds, then I think we can rightfully expect blessings and growth. I think when we follow God's plan, when we do what God has asked us to do, then there is not much to fear there, but there is a great deal of hope and comfort that we can look forward to. But when it comes to elders, many Christians, it seems, are afraid of appointing elders. When I talk to people, or when I've heard people talk about elders, not just here, but in many places, it seems that there's always a great fear that men who are not qualified enough will be appointed. For some reason, we're constantly afraid that we're going to appoint men who end up not being up for the task. Men are not going to be perfect enough. Or, like worldly leaders, we're afraid that once they're in the position of an elder and have that authority, that they're going to become corrupt and they're going to abuse their power. Now, don't get me wrong. We need qualified men. We should not just want elders and thus appoint some men to be elders so that we can say we have them. But I believe that this fear, in some cases, is unwarranted. And two... I believe that we should be just as concerned about being shepherdless as we should be about appointing possibly bad elders. Now, if we appoint men and it turns out over time that they do not live up to the expectations, that for some reason they take an unforeseen turn that we could not have predicted and are not the elders that they ought to be, that can be addressed. But if we have no elders and we have no leaders then we are guaranteed to be shepherdless. To me, that seems to be a bigger fear and a more real fear for most of the congregations, or at least it should be a more real fear for most of the congregations, at least in this country. The solution to our possible fears and worries is not to avoid appointing elders. The solution is to take the Word of God seriously and to diligently work as men, as a congregation, to develop and appoint godly men as shepherd elders. Now that may take time. 
I don't think it will take as much time as many congregations think it will, but it can take time. But we need to, at the very least, be conscientiously and diligently working towards that goal. And until we do, we need to recognize that there is a lack, and there is a lack that the Bible warns against of being sheep without shepherds. But on the other side, I think that we can look forward to a time when we can expect blessing if we will pursue shepherd elders in accordance with God's word. So for a while this morning, what I want to do is look at the passages that we find in the Old and the New Testament that discuss sheep without shepherds so we can see the clear warnings that Scripture has for us. And by seeing the warnings and the problems that are present when there are shepherdless sheep, then by reverse we can see the blessings that we should be able to expect when there are shepherds leading God's people. Well, we'll begin towards the end of the life of Moses and a concern that Moses had. In the book of Numbers, in chapter 27, Moses was told by God that he was getting ready to die. It was towards the end of Moses' life. He had lived a very long life. The last 40 years of that life had been leading the children of Israel. And as he was getting ready to pass away within the next few days or weeks, he was concerned about the nation. And in verse in chapter Numbers 27, verses 16 and 17, he says, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. Moses was very concerned about the welfare of his people. This is one of the things that shows us Moses was a great leader. Moses was not worried about getting the praise and glory as a leader, but even when he was gone, he wanted the people to be taken care of. There are some people, some men and women in business and politics, and maybe there even might be some of these men in the church at various places, who in some ways relish the idea that they have taken on so much of the responsibility, that they have borne so much of the burden, it's kind of a self-martyrdom type act, that they know that when they're gone or if they were to leave, that the people would be left leaderless and that the people would suffer and not be very well off once they were gone. I think it's a point of pride for some people. Moses wasn't that way at all. Moses didn't relish the idea that when he was gone, the people would be left leaderless. And so when God is speaking to him, he begs God to empower another man, to empower someone to be able to lead like he had led because he didn't want the people to be like sheep without a shepherd. Now just imagine Moses had led one of the most rebellious groups of people that you can possibly imagine. Moses led the nation that came out of Egypt. They're the people that complained on the way to the Red Sea. They're the people that complained at the Red Sea. They're the people that complained until they got to Sinai. They're the people that complained until they got to Kadesh Barnea. They're the people that rebelled and wouldn't go take the promised land. And then they were the people that kept complaining and kept rebelling for 40 years through the wilderness. Now, there's a lesson here, and that is that as much as we want shepherds and as much as we want elders, we have a part to play too. You can have the best leaders imaginable and still fail. Because the nation of Israel did. There are very few, if any men, aside from Jesus, of course, that were probably better leaders than Moses. And the nation failed. 
Because they wouldn't submit to God and they wouldn't submit to God's appointed leadership. So that's a lesson that we need to learn and we need to realize elders are not a silver bullet that are going to solve every problem that may ever arise, that are going to make everything magically better. We will still have a role to play. The key is leaders will help us in that. And Moses tried, but now Moses wasn't a complete failure as a leader because of that nation. Because while that nation, which was already adults by the time Moses came back and led them out of Egypt, and many of them had already had their hearts hardened apparently, When you think about the fact that that nation died in the wilderness, but the nation that grew up in the wilderness, that grew up under Moses' leadership, became one of the most thriving, successful generations in Israel's history. Now that speaks a great deal of Joshua's leadership. Joshua was going to follow Moses, but I think it says a lot about Moses as well. Who was it that Moses trained? Moses trained Joshua. And that group that grew up under Moses' leadership was a very faithful generation. Moses was a wonderful leader, and there was success in his leadership. But Moses was concerned for his people, and he did not want them to be leaderless. Now you can imagine, if Israel struggled with leadership like Moses, how do you think they would have fared with no leadership? Well, we get an exact picture of what people fare like with no leadership in the book of Judges. You can read the book of Judges on your own and see the many problems that the people had. And the end of that book, the last verse of Judges, simply says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Over and over again in Judges, and really in the Bible as a whole, you see what happens when there is no leadership. When there is no leadership and there is no guidance, people do what they want to do. People do what they think is right without listening to anybody else. And that is a recipe for spiritual disaster. It's a recipe for disaster in business. It's a recipe for political disaster, but especially in spiritual terms. When there is no leadership, when there is no one that is helping guide people with the Word of God, when there are no mature, spiritually-minded people guiding and leading others, spiritual ruin awaits. Yes, Moses was concerned for the people's welfare and was concerned that they were led properly. Here's the question. Are you and I concerned for our spiritual welfare? Are you concerned for the spiritual welfare of your family? Are you concerned for the spiritual welfare of this congregation? If you are concerned for those things, and if I am concerned for those things, then like Moses... We should desire that our congregation and our families and ourselves are not sheep without shepherds. And we don't have to be if we will abide by God's plan and develop godly shepherd elders. There's another case in the Old Testament in which we see this sheep without shepherd. Uh, in in uh, 1 Kings chapter 22, you have King Ahab. That's the king of Israel. He's getting ready. He wants to go to war to retake Ramoth-Gilead. That was a place that used to belong to Israel, but through wars it had been taken away, and he decides he wants to go take it back. He enlists the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, to come and help him make war and go win back Ramoth-Gilead. Now Jehoshaphat says, okay, we'll do that, but before we do, why don't we inquire of the Lord? Jehoshaphat was a righteous king, a good king, unlike King Ahab. And so Ahab says, okay, okay, we'll get some prophets. And he calls together 400 prophets, and all of them say the exact same thing. They say, go up, you're going to be victorious. 
Now Jehoshaphat can kind of tell that there's something wrong here, that these are Baal's prophets, that these are just some yes men. And so he asks Ahab again, he says, you know, is there anybody else? Are there, is there any prophet of the Lord that we can hear from? And Ahab says, oh, yes, there is, but I hate the man. And it's a prophet named Micaiah. And he says he hates him because he never has anything good to say. And so they send off for this man, Micaiah. And the man who goes and talks to him, he says, now everyone else has been favorable. You need to answer a favorable word to the king. And Micaiah says, what the Lord speaks, that's what I'll say. And Micaiah goes, and you can read the rest of the story. It's an interesting story. At first, Micaiah tells Ahab exactly what he wants to hear, and it was obviously sarcastic because Ahab says, how many times do I need to tell you to tell me the truth when you're speaking? And so Micaiah speaks up, and in 1 Kings 22 and 17, he says, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each return to his home in peace. That was a message of doom and destruction. Now Ahab was not going to listen to this. And foolishly Jehoshaphat wasn't going to either. And they went ahead and they got up in their battle array. Ahab thought that he would trick God. And he convinced Jehoshaphat to dress up like the commander. And Ahab just dressed up like a normal soldier. And as they went to battle, the Syrians sought King Ahab. That's all they really wanted. There was a group of men tasked with nothing but killing King Ahab. And at first they went after Jehoshaphat, but then they realized that wasn't Ahab. And so it looks like he may have escaped what God had condemned that he was going to die. But an archer, we're told, pulled back his bow at random and let an arrow fly. And it caught Ahab in the joint of his armor and he died. I don't remember if there's a number given. But Israel was routed that day, and many other men died. And across that mountain, the bodies of the Lord's people lay strewn, and those that survived were leaderless and helpless and fled in despair. And the picture that Micaiah uses to describe what was going to happen was sheep without a shepherd. It was a picture of chaos, a picture of defeat, a picture of helplessness. For the army of God. Now there are several metaphors that are used for God's people in the Bible and for Christians. And while one metaphor is sheep. Another metaphor that is used is that of a soldier. We are soldiers for Christ. We are the Lord's army. And while he is the commander and he is the good shepherd. He has appointed under shepherds. He has shown that he wants men at place in congregations to lead his people in his ways. And when that doesn't happen and the Lord's army is leaderless, when it is sheep without a shepherd, how effective do you think that army will be? How effective do you think that we will really be at gaining ground for the Lord if we have no leadership? How safe are we from the attacks of the enemy if we have no shepherd that's helping protect us? Sheep without shepherds, is a dangerous, dangerous situation that over time, if not fixed, can spell disaster. Ezekiel chapter 34 is uh, one of the richest passages that has some information and the, or uses the illustration of sheep and shepherds. It also happens to be one of the most scathing rebukes in all of scripture 
towards poor leaders. Now, in this case, it is God speaking against leaders and their bad leadership. So it's not that Israel had no leaders. They had leaders, but they were terrible leaders. But as we're going to see in the passage that we'll read, having bad leaders essentially was equal to having no leaders. In the first few verses, God rebukes these these leaders because they had abused the people. They had taken wool and food but not fed the sheep in that shepherd imagery. And then beginning in verse 4, God says to these leaders, The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered, they wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth, with no one to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become prey, and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves, and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand, and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. Now again, this is a picture of leaders who had abused their power, and that is possible. But notice that the solution is not that leaders should just be done away with. In fact, if you go on, God promises that He will be the shepherd of His people, and He will provide good shepherds. But what we find is that bad leaders are essentially no better than no leaders. But the reverse of that is true also. Other than the fact that bad leaders sometimes abuse people that they rule over, there's really not much of a difference between bad leadership and no leadership. After all, whether it's from bad leaders or no leaders, how are the weak strengthened when there are no shepherds? That was a failure on the leaders of Israel's part, but when you have no shepherds, the weak are not strengthened either. Who is it that's going to heal the sick when there are no shepherds? Who is it that's going to bind up the injured when there are no shepherds? Now, when you put those, obviously, into spiritual perspectives, does it mean that elders are going to heal the physical sickness? It's not that their job is to literally bind up injuries, but those have spiritual connotations. But who is it That's going to do that. How are the strain going to be brought back? Who is seeking the lost if there are no shepherds? For those of us that are parents, this is something we should think about very seriously. Now, our goal as parents is to raise our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, to teach them the ways of the Lord, to set good examples for the Lord. But what happens if one day our children do wander off? Usually, it's at about that point that parents begin to get very serious about spiritual things. And it's at that point that all of a sudden they want leadership. It's at that point that all of a sudden they want the preacher or the teachers. It's at that point all of a sudden they wish there were elders because they want someone to go and try and help bring their child back. Now, if you're not facing that right now, that may not seem like such a big deal. 
In fact, you may be at a point where you get annoyed when someone calls and checks up on you or someone calls to make sure everything's okay. I want you to imagine that it's your child or your spouse that is the wandering sheep. Do you want, now obviously we don't want that to be the situation, but let's be honest, it happens. And if this congregation stands for 5, 10, 20 more years, it will probably happen. How much better would it be for when that happens, we have shepherds. We have godly men that have met the godly qualifications who were looking out for those types of people. Who notice when someone's not here. Who notice when someone is backsliding so to speak. Who can tell when someone is spiritually weak and needs to be strengthened. Who has the ability to guide and counsel and help them overcome temptations. Who has the courage and the willingness to go seek them when they've wandered off. We need that. We should want that. And we should work diligently to pursue that. According to Ezekiel, because Israel was essentially shepherdless, they were scattered over the face of the earth. It means they were lost. They had become easy prey and food for wild beasts. And worst of all, no one was searching to bring them back. Again, many fear bad elders. But in many ways, there's no difference between bad elders and no elders. And let me remind you, that's not a justification to just appoint unqualified men just so that we have elders. It is a reminder of how seriously we need to consider this subject. It's a reminder to every single man who is a Christian in this congregation of the responsibility that you have and I have to growing in Christian maturity. That does not mean that every one of us will become elders, but every one of us should be working to become Christian, mature Christian men. As we talked about back earlier this year when we went over the qualifications of elders, we showed that those qualifications are not just for elite Christians. Those are not just for elders. But by and large, and in some aspects, every one of the qualifications has an applicable point to every single Christian. And every man here needs to be growing in maturity. Every woman here needs to be growing in spiritual maturity. Every man here needs to consider the opportunity and the possibility of trying to lead or help lead someday. As a congregation, we need to encourage men to develop into elders. We need to grow in our own ability to be led. Because we cannot tolerate, we shouldn't tolerate, being a shepherdless flock forever. But also, in a scary passage, we see that sheep without shepherd may turn even as far as idolatry. In Zechariah 10 verse 2, he says, For the household gods utter nonsense, and the diviners see lies. They tell false dreams and give empty consolation. Therefore the people wander like sheep. They are afflicted for lack of a shepherd. Zechariah describes what it is that people do when they lack leaders. They search for guidance. And more often than not, they do so in the wrong place. Judah lacked leaders, and what did the people begin to do? They began consulting household gods. To put that bluntly, they committed idolatry. The people wondered from the truth because there was no one giving them truth, and thus they faced affliction. If there is no shepherds, if there are no shepherds to feed the sheep, then they will wander off. 
in, in real life. If there's a flock of sheep and there's no shepherd, they're still hungry. They still have the need to eat, and so they're going to search for food. But without leadership, they'll wander anywhere and everywhere without any thought sometimes, and they might run off a ravine. They may find their way into a pack of wolves. They may injure themselves where there's no one around to get help. It's dangerous. Well, spiritually speaking, when people have no guidance and no teaching, most people want to learn. Most people want to be taught. Young Christians in the faith that are immature in the faith and are growing their babes in Christ and they're hungry to learn. They're going to seek knowledge. And there is a lot of false doctrine out there that if there are not wise, mature Christians helping them learn and grow, that they're going to see and they're going to hear and they're going to wander off after if they are not being fed by shepherds the way that they ought to be. When there is no guidance, people will tend to seek guidance and may often find it in dangerous places. But as we turn to the New Testament, there are two occasions in which Jesus used this imagery. First of all, Matthew 9, verse 35 through 38, it says that Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus described shepherdless people as harassed and helpless. Bad leadership, temptation, sin, the world, all of these things harass and trouble people. Every single one of us here will be harassed in some way by Satan and his devices in the coming days, if the Lord gives them to us. How are we supposed to overcome those troubles? How is a congregation supposed to overcome those troubles? Jesus saw that they were helpless as they were harassed because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Without the guiding hand of a shepherd, harassed sheep are usually helpless and therefore doomed. But with shepherds, then harassed sheep are usually protected. They're spared some of the harassment that they would otherwise face. When they are harassed by various trials, there's someone there to help them, to guide them, to fight for them. The same is true spiritually. But notice what Jesus exhorted his disciples to do. He said, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. Now, usually when I hear someone use that verse, they speak about how we need to be praying for preachers. I agree, and that's fine. We need to pray for preachers. The church the world over needs more men that are able and willing to go out and evangelize the lost. But consider again the context of this passage. Jesus is speaking about shepherdless people, shepherdless sheep. And he doesn't say, pray earnestly for the Lord to send out preachers. He says, pray earnestly for the Lord to send out laborers. We can be laborers in the Lord's house, even if we're not a preacher. Every one of us can be laborers. In fact, every one of us needs to be laborers. But especially in light of the dangers of a flock without a shepherd, I think it's very fitting for us to pray privately, publicly, and at all times fervently for shepherds.
to pray that God will help us raise up men that are willing and able to lead his church in the role of a shepherd elder. Also in Mark 6, this is when Jesus has brought come across the Sea of Galilee, that his disciples have come back from one of their uh, commissions that he sent them out on, and they've heard news of John the Baptist's death. So Jesus takes them across the sea, and he's trying to find some rest for them. But the people had seen where Jesus was going, and the people had run around the Sea of Galilee, and they met Jesus there, and there were thousands of them. And instead of getting irritated that his time of rest with his disciples was interrupted, it says in Mark 6, verse 34, that when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. Both those situations that we've read of Jesus, it says that Jesus had compassion. Another word is pity on those who were shepherdless. Jesus does not desire for his people to exist in a state of being sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus, when he saw this, what he did is he taught the people. He taught them. He fed them. He became the good shepherd and provides the model of what all of his under shepherds are to be to be teachers, to feed the sheep of the Lord, to be shepherds that guide them along their life. Now, we've seen many passages this morning, several at least, that show us the dangers of being sheep without a shepherd. But what we can do with that is we can also reverse that and see the blessings that will be found when we are not sheep without a shepherd, but when we are sheep led by shepherds. And the picture of this is very helpful. First of all, when there are shepherds, we will be spiritually fed. Spiritual men who are qualified to be elders are able to teach. They are able to teach, I believe, publicly, but also privately. They will feed us if we will be fed. They will lead us to pastures. They will help us become strong. They can help us overcome weakness. Are you struggling with weakness? Godly leadership can help with that. If you're willing, are you wanting to learn more of the scripture and learn more of what it means to follow Christ? Mature Christians can help you with that and elders can provide that guidance. When there are shepherds, we will be less likely to wander away from the truth. You know, when you're in a place where nobody's watching and you're gone this Sunday and gone again next Sunday and you pop in here and pop in there, but there's no one really paying attention, it becomes easy to wander off. Or it's easy to begin to get uh, embroiled in the worldly affairs when nobody knows you and nobody is paying attention. And over time, you're far off from shore. But when there are shepherds who are looking out, not trying to be busybodies, not trying to be nosy, but who care for your well-being, and thus they're speaking with you, they're checking in with you, they're trying to study with you, they're helping you. That situation, in that situation, it's going to be less likely that you wander off. Parents, in that situation, it's going to be less likely that our children wander off one day. What a blessing that is. Now, that doesn't mean that no one ever will wander off. But when someone does and there are shepherds, then there will be shepherds to seek the wanderer and bring them back. There will be somebody that is bold enough to call and ask, what's going on? There will be somebody that says, let's talk about this and be willing to sit down and try and study whatever the issue might be and exhort faithfulness or repentance or issue rebuke when there needs to be. When there are shepherds, we have protection 
against false teaching and against false doctrine. That doesn't mean it won't ever happen. But when we have shepherd elders, when we have overseers, that's part of their job from what Paul tells Titus is to help protect the flock against false doctrine. When we have shepherds, we have help. We have help that can assist us in time of trouble, help that can provide guidance and healing when we are suffering, help that can give counsel to help us navigate whatever difficulties or temptations or trying circumstances we may encounter. What a blessing that would be when we have shepherds. I believe they will help us be unified. And when we are unified, we will not be scattered. I believe that we need to overcome our fears about godly leadership. True godly leadership is not a burden. It is a blessing. And we should not be content to be sheep without a shepherd. We need men who will provide the godly leadership of shepherd elders. If we don't have that, then we need to work for it. And I also want to say that if you feel like we already have these blessings, if as I go through that list, there are men that you think about and you think that they fit those categories. You think there are men that are feeding, protecting and guiding and seeking the lost when they go astray. And the question is, why are they not recognized and honored and appointed as elders? Or if there are men that are very close to being able to do these things, what are we doing to encourage them to take those final steps? Now that metaphor of sheep without a shepherd is just that. It is a metaphor. And all metaphors break down at some point. And in our case, that's a good thing. Because real sheep have no choice about whether they are shepherdless or not. If a shepherd abandons the sheep, they can do nothing about it. They cannot go to town and try and hire a new shepherd. They're helpless. But we are not helpless. In our case, when we look at ourselves and realize that we may be sheep without shepherds, we can do something. We can change. We can focus and diligently work towards appointing elders. We can learn the role of elders. That's why we've taught about it. We can learn the qualifications of elders. That's why we've taught about it. We can continue to study those things. As men, we can take it seriously and work to develop ourselves. As a congregation, we can make it a priority. We can determine to seek men who will faithfully shepherd us so that we can become sheep who are led by shepherds. But what will we choose? Will we continue with the status quo? Will we continue to be content as a shepherdless flock? Or will we diligently work towards God's pattern and seek the blessings that are to be found in following God's ways of becoming a mature congregation led by godly men who fulfill the role of elders? Well, that's our study for this morning, and I hope it's given us all some things to think about in terms of the Lord's church and leadership. As we bring our lesson to a close, we want to extend the gospel invitation to any who might be here and at a guilty distance from God. I've been talking about leaders in the Lord's church, and they are shepherds, they are elders, but they are under shepherds. I used that term a couple of times. They are under shepherds because we all serve, those who are Christians, the good shepherd. And that is Jesus Christ. He is the true shepherd and bishop or overseer of our souls. But if you're here today and you're not a Christian, then he's not your shepherd. 
He's not the bishop and overseer of your soul, but he can be. He can wash away your sins, and he can be your Lord and Savior. If you believe in him, and if you're ready to repent of your sins and confess the name of Christ, then you need to choose to be baptized for the remission of your sins so that you can be washed clean and so that you can become a child of God, a sheep in the flock of Christ. Or if you're a Christian and you need to make something right and would like us to pray with you and for you to that end, then we'd be happy to do that also. So if there be one in need, we invite you to come while we stand and while we sing.